Hi, I'm Greg McDonald, and you're listening to Glory Days of Gold. Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Welcome to this week's episode of Glory Days of Gold, your East Fife and Scottish football podcast. We're your hosts, Lee Gillis. And I'm Michael McCall. So I am back with not so much a bang this week, more of a slight limp. Um, You'll you have noticed that Michael flew solo last week um, and told you all about my, my back injury that I sustained whilst up on holiday in Aviemore, which meant instead of going out and exploring with my, my family, I, I spent the entire week in bed on every painkiller and muscle relaxant possible but I'm back this week and you know by the by nothing could have been more painful than listening to the commentator against Everness last week so we move on slowly but surely and before we go into to the show itself I just want to say from the bottom of my heart thank you so much to to everybody that got behind the the donate ticket um, last week it's not something I'm going to do every away game but something that I'm going to look to maybe do once a month I mean we raised over £240 which was absolutely fantastic I went straight to the club I got an email from Jim Stevenson this week to, to thank us all so brilliant that, we, that, that when we needed the, the fans to step up and, and really be counted that once again we've shown that we're a community and we're a family and that we're prepared to do so so I'm going to have a whole wee sponsors to read, uh, read out for this week's show so I think what I'll maybe do is I'll maybe split them um, so that I'm not going to give the, the whole game away in the first week. But so far, I just wanted to say thank you to Cammy McCarroll, um, who I believe is out in Australia. So thank you. Ian Martin, um, our friend from Leeds, um, he, he actually went up to Inverness. He booked this game to, to try and catch up his family. So it's a shame that you didn't get into the game, Ian, but we hope you enjoy your weekend nonetheless. Our very own PG Charletta, Duke Perry, um, Ross Hutchison um, donated, and then I got another donation right after them, after he told his dad, and his dad joined in. And, of course, one of our, our other regulars as well, and Gordon Henderson. So thank you very, very much, guys. Um, so, Michael, we've, we've had a, a bit of a busy week in terms of football in general. Um, the national team lifting us up to, to bring us back down is probably the, the best way that I could look at it, um, holistically anyway. A poor result against Inverness, obviously we touched on it briefly in the past, but I mean, look, Inverness were always going to be a, a tough opponents, but I, another toothless performance, I kind of feel from us again, where we didn't really show what we were capable of. Yeah, there's concerns that, in one hand, that we're not getting the, the ball in the back of the net more often, but to only lose by one goal, as I said in last week's show, to every single team from the, the championship that we've played this season, we've lost by one goal. So that's positive on the defensive side, but we need to start to to turn some of the chances that we're creating into actual goals because we're, we're seeing it in every game now. We are creating, 
but we're not putting the ball in the back of the net as much as we need to. It's got us a couple of points so far this year with what we have done, but we've kind of squeaked by uh, in the the game that we won against Dumbarton. That that was a narrow win in the end. Montrose, we just didn't have enough to get us over the line. So we need to find something that's going to get us clicking more than just Jack Hamilton because he can't do it all on his own. We'll maybe give a bit of kudos to, to Ryan Wallace as well because he's chipped in where he can. But I think that if you look at the last couple of seasons, Scott Agnew scored a lot of goals for us and I feel he's really to get going this season. He just seems a, a mile off the, the player that we've yeah. seen in the past. Um, his, his passing you know, isn't what it was. We seem to be so careless in possession. I, I, I've lost count in recent games how many times we've, we've given the ball away and I'd be interested to see the stat at how many times we've given away possession whilst being in it because I'm pretty sure that the, the, the percentage would be high. I think that you know we, we do need to be a little bit more ruthless in front of goal but equally we are defending okay. Um, I don't think that we could say well you know that our, our problem down the left-hand side is well documented. Our, our goals that we concede from set pieces again has been well documented. So I think that my concern is, is we need to have, maybe have that attitude of we need to score more than you if we're we're going to really have a good go of it this season. Yeah, it's the old Kevin Keegan approach. If you're going to give up three goals, you have to score four. And it worked well when he was with Newcastle. It would make for exciting games as well because you don't... I mean, I, I've said I don't really care whether every game's ground out as a 1-0 win. It would be nice if it wasn't, but I'd still take just 1-0 wins all the time. Yeah, I, I, look, you know, you, you only have to look at Jose Mourinho. You know, he's, 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 his teams don't ever go and win 4 5 6 nil in general unless they're playing Magnet. You know, they, they, they tend to, to, to grind out victories and be hard to beat. And I think that that's maybe going to be our best chance this season if the goals aren't going to be as free-flowing and we need to tighten up at the back. Um, but, but look, we'll, we'll need to see what what comes in the, the coming weeks and months. We've got a lot of youth boys in the uh, on the bench and coming through. We've still got some players to come back from injury, so we, we could only really cross our fingers and, and hope. So let's get to this week's five fan zone, where again we failed to pick up any points against this week's opponents, Patrick Thistle. Well, welcome once again to the Fife Fan Zone, which, before we started recording this today, my wife said, what, what's this section called that you do? I said, Fife Fan Zone. And she's like, well, that's good. It, it's, it's straight to the point. It lets everyone know what it's about. And I said, no, if it was that, it would just be three guys talking about a pile of pish. Because that is basically what this is going to be this week. It's just three of us that's on it, so you've got myself, Lee, and welcome once again, everyone's favourite Fife Fan Zone columnist, Doug Perry. Hello, hello, hello. I'm so pleased to be here. Yeah. It is a low bar, Doug, to, to get you to that, that accolade, but there we go. But we are here to talk about whatever that was that took part at Fur Hill on Saturday afternoon. Now, I, I was brought up... So it's like, if you've nothing good to say, just keep your mouth shut. So I'm just going to mute my mic for the, the next half hour or so and let you guys take over everything because there wasn't really a lot of positives from that. The plus side, 
We're in the playoff places. Oh no, I I can't I can't even muster a sympathy laugh for that. Uh, you know, from, from start to finish today, apart from a purple patch after half time for maybe ten minutes, that's arguably the worst performance I've seen in a long time. From from every single member on the pitch, I don't think anybody comes off there with pass marks. And if it gets to the point where you've, you've beaten the you've beaten the will out of me, then you, you've done a good job. But that was painful, absolutely painful to watch. Um, the, the penalty was, you know, it, it was a penalty. No matter how, if it was soft, we, we gave the referee a decision to make once more. Five yellow cards. You know, the, the left-hand side that I've spoken so, so, so much about um, for, for weeks now still hasn't been addressed. We were absolutely hammered by Cardell and Williamson down that, uh, by down their right-hand side, our left-hand side. And, you know, I, I, I try to look at a positive point from every, from every game and there's just nothing. It, it was dreadful. It was. I mean, the thing is, Doug... Like Lee's usually Mr. Positive and when he's struggling to find stuff, you you know it's been a really bad performance. But just reading some of the these five group chats and haven't seen Pine Bovro, but like looking at Twitter and stuff, a lot of unhappy punters out there. And I mean, we've got to boil it down. As Lee said, our left side was just torn apart in that first half in particular. Second half, it was a little bit better, but I think Thistle maybe just tired a little bit. We could have been three or four down by half time very easily. Um, has our left side never been torn apart before? Fucking get it sorted. Excuse my language. It's, I mean, it's embarrassing. It, I thought that was absolutely embarrassing. I, I felt sorry for Slattery because it's like, he was just getting torn apart like you wouldn't believe. I mean, it was, if you know you've got a problem on the left side, the first thing you do is you try and address it in any form, even if the personnel can't change, you make it a defensive unit on the left side. So you maybe say to whoever's left midfield, like you're barely going forward. We are making sure that we keep that left side steady and tight. And that was, I mean, I've never seen two on ones like that in a game of football. It was like, it was so embarrassing, an absolute schoolboy. It was dreadful. Apologies what? for the uh, swearing at the start of this. Uh, oh, that's season. fine. Our, our wavelength song this week's got swearing in it, so feel free to swear as much as you want, because I think it, it it merits it after that performance. It's it's marked explicit anyway this week, so everything's good to go. That's why I like to pick wavelength songs with swearing in it, because it just opens the floodgates then. But, uh, yeah, I mean... For me, like watching Slattery get left to hung out to dry, it wasn't all on him because there was no help from the midfield. He got pulled into the centre as well a lot and every time he got pulled in, nobody else decided to fill that, that void. And you, you can't have that. You need to have your midfielders tracking back. Whether they just hadn't been tasked that, whether they weren't up to doing it, I don't know. But that's got to be, like, the 101 that they do this week, they've got to sit and watch that, and they've got to say to midfield Lee, you need to help this defence out. But who? Who's going to do it? And, and, and this, is, this, this is my issue. You know, we've, I think that a lot of the issues that we're facing just now is complete complacency from our starting eleven because 
before I'd even looked at the team sheet today, minus Ryan Wallace, I could have named that 11. And every team that play against us will do the exact same thing. And all that they, the teams that are playing against us need to do is watch our game against Patrick Thistle, watch our game against Montrose, watch our game against Hearts, watch our game against Inverness, watch our game against Cove, and they'll just go, right, so all we really need to do is smash that left back and we'll get our chance. It might take five or six or seven chances to get it, but we'll get the one that counts. You know, that if, or even, you know, let the midfielders have it in the middle of the pack because all we're going to do is fucking launch it up the pack to nobody anyway and we'll get the possession back. Even from kickoff, and I don't know if you guys have noticed this, the second that we kick the ball off, we boot the ball up the park and immediately lose possession. Why? I've not seen it work once for us this season. Change the record. Do something different because whatever we're doing now it isn't working. Can't disagree with that as well because as soon as we fall behind, it doesn't look like we've got a lot of ability to, to get back into the game. Because this all looked really comfortable. 1-0 up after, I think it was the 17th minute. But let's look at the, the penalty first of all. I didn't have the benefit of seeing the replay. I know they showed it on the, the Jags TV coverage. But as the overseas thing, we have East 5 TV. So we don't get the replays. So I know a lot of you guys got to see it at half time. And I just kept reading that it was a soft penalty. But if you dive in like that, as you said, Lee, the referee's going to make a decision and you make it easy for him because it looks, for me looking, I was like, oh, he's gone straight through him. That's a, that's a penalty, Doug. Yeah, I mean, I actually watched it again at half time and he might have slipped if we're giving him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, that's maybe being nice. But we, we actually, I mean, it was such an easy counterattack again. Uh, down the infamous left side. But actually, when he put the ball in the box, I think we had four defenders against one. Mm -hmm. We were kind of fine. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping he slipped because if he's actually decided to go in for a slide tackle, I mean, it's just doesn't even, you know, there's no explanation for that whatsoever. But I, I, th I think he slipped. But even if he slipped, it, it's possibly still a penalty. I can see why. I mean, as soon as it happened, I was like, it's a penalty. So I can see why ref gave it. Yeah, I mean, look, I think Pat slipped uh, and I will, you know, give him the benefit of the doubt. And I don't think that he's the sole issue for the left-hand side either, by the way. He's going to kind of be scapegoated because he is the left-back, but he's getting zero support, whether it be from the centre midfield or from the, the, the left of midfield. He's getting zero support. So it's not solely down to Pat Slattery. However, you know, regardless of whether he slipped or not, it's a penalty. Brian Graham steps up confidently, tucks it away, you know, no complaints at that. They were dominating us. It was a deserved goal. Um, we really created nothing um, and we continued to do so for 90 minutes. You know, I want to talk a bit about Scott Agnew, who I've talked so much about on this pod podcast as an outstanding player and a player that I've said that could play at a higher level. He just looks so disinterested. And I don't know if that's maybe harsh, actually, but he's, he's, he's been a shadow of the player this season that we've seen in, in previous seasons. You know, somebody that when the ball falls, to him, you know, you, you kind of get off your seat because you're expecting whether it be to be an, an, a good pass or, you know, a crack at goal or whatever. And, you know, that... The amount of times that he seems to be giving the ball away or, or 
or maybe just trying to impact that wonder past um, that, you know, maybe if it be the, the thing to do the, the half time today, we were playing the ball in the deck and we were making moves, you know, we were unlucky not to score through Hamilton who probably was just shocked that a ball landed at his feet today and that's why he didn't score it. But, I mean, the second that we got the ball down and, 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 and went for the jugular a little bit, we looked like we could go on to win it. You know, I mean, I, I genuinely felt if we'd got that goal and we'd kept that momentum with that style of play, particularly for the taking at points. However, we just powder puff. You know, it, it looked for a lot of the time today, men versus boys. I can't, I don't think I can describe it any other way. It looked like, you know, when I was playing for the school football team and the third and fourth years would play the seniors and would get battered. That's literally the only way I could describe it. It felt like we were playing a team from a higher division. And you could arguably say, well, they are because they're a, a championship team that shouldn't be in the league. But they, this was not even a full-strength Thistle team. They were down to the bare bones. They had a defence that had, I think, one recognised centre-back, so they had to go three at the back. We didn't even test that defence. Like, looking at the stats, which... The whole time that I've checked these stats on the BBC website, it had our possession at 44%, so I don't think we can take a lot in that. We had two shots in the whole game, none of which were on target. That's just shocking, especially when you've been chasing the game since the 17th minute. Uh, yeah, um, um, I don't even remember the two shots. I generally no. do not remember the two shots. Actually, I do. One of them was uh, near the end, and it went about 400 yards over the bar. Um They've been generous I, I, then with what's a shot. <laughs> yeah. Look, look, you're both spot on. Uh, Partick were absolutely ravaged by injury. They had three outfield subs only. What a chance after after what was probably a pretty good performance against Hearts, albeit we can't defend, and a decent performance against an Inverness team where the game didn't matter. I actually felt quite confident going today. My God, that was a, that was a bad move. Um uh, going on to Lee's point about Agnew, yeah, uh, he he just he looks almost uh, almost uninterested. Just I don't know, it, it's off that Hollywood ball. Yeah, he's off him, the boil. Him, him, I think this interest is harsh. I think he's off the boil. Yeah, but him and Davidson, it's like you get that ball, you know, ten yards inside your own half, and it's like turning, it's ping. And it's like, just pass it to the fullback. Pass it. Just, like that period in the 10 minutes in the second half was, I, I mean, I wrote it down and we were we were chatting uh, about it. And it's because we passed the ball. There was a mm-hmm. little tiny degree of patience for the first time in the game where they just went, and I think that's obviously the message from uh, the manager, get the ball, just pass it about, get a wee bit of possession, take this thing out of the game and start again. And we, we never did that in the first half, which was so frustrating because that's, that's what you're crying out to happen. Just slow it down, stick it back to the goalie, even if you need to just keep the ball for one minute. I mean, the passing again was atrocious today. Really, really bad. That was, a, that was, that was very worrying. The Falkirk game, you could blame the weather. We, there was nothing there. That was guff. If, if you want to make an excuse, which I don't think it's valid, like you could say heavy grass pitch, rain came on, made it worse. But yeah, that, that it's the same for both teams. We struggled to, to hold possession. Like Hamilton, 
was just on an island up, up there. He was getting no service. When he did get the ball, he was struggling to hold on to it. I think for me, I can't remember if it was 1-0 or 2-0 at this point in the second half. But Partick had a corner and then we broke with it and it was Dunsmore that was going forward. And he had three guys around him. There was nobody in support. So he just tried to blooter it forward to run onto it. It didn't even go very far. And it's like that that's us trying to get back into the game at that point. And he had no support. He had nothing he could do. He had Thistle guys closing him down. We just had nothing. And then what did he do though, Mike? He he literally grabbed the boy around the neck and yeah. pulled him down and got booked. I mean it, but it, but that that could have been that could almost have been a bloody red card. You're like, what are you doing? I, I forgot mean, I that was frustrating, yeah. But, yeah, but the guy's got the guy. The I love Aaron Dunsmore. He'll forever be a hero for the Rovers thing. But he's got to have a word with himself and start going right. This has to stop because it's a waste of time. And the guy is going to get booked every single game, and he does. Aaron and Tony need to have a, a word with the boys about this defence. This um, what's the word I'm looking for? Discipline. Discipline. Yeah, like five yellow cards today. We've had you know red cards already. You know, this is dangerous, dangerous territory because our squad, when I looked at it in the past, I thought, you know, we've got real depth. We actually don't. We actually don't have depth. Mm. Um, you know, the, the, the fact that we're playing the same starting 11 with how poorly we're playing, the, uh, albeit the changes, you know, Hart coming in and Ryan Wallace dipping in and out for injuries or whatever, has been essentially the same starting 11. You know, if one of them gets another suspension, if one of them drops out the team, who do we bring in? Because Swanson looks like he's going to be stop-start with injuries. I think that the, the niggle that he's got seems to be running on longer than we thought. You know, a, a lot of the boys in our team have came through the, the youth setup. So are they ready to be playing at this level? And if they're not ready to be playing at this level, why are they there? Um, you know, we, we shouldn't be making up the numbers. With You know, I think that I, I, I am deeply concerned that we've not addressed the, the left-back um, scenario um, and, and if we don't do that soon we are in deep, deep crap I'll not say the S-word but I mean, when how would you fix it, Michael? And I'll be interested because I've been racking my brains and the only thing I could think of is once we have a fully fit Swanson do we try and put Aaron Dunsmore in at left-back because he's, he is naturally a full-back we could keep short Murdoch at right or vice versa have Murdoch out of the left and, and Aaron out on the right and then have the, the Danny Denham and, and Danny Swanson on either flank to, to try and, and fix that issue because at least Dunsey's got the pace that you know, he'd be able to get back but other than that aside of bringing someone else in I'm, I'm scratching my, my big baldy dome to, to think what we could do to, to fix it well, we recorded some stuff yesterday and one of the things we were talking about was the, the potential to, to go three at the back. You brought that up and I thought, that's I, I don't think that's a good idea the way that we've been playing. I think we might need to go like 3-5-2, 5-3-2 to kind of solidify this a bit. But I also think we need some defensive midfielders in there. So ideally, I think you're looking at a 4-2-3-1 with one of those two hanging back to help the defence out a little bit. As for what personnel we have that fits that, that's what I don't know. And like, we've got this young talent and they might be ready, 
but we haven't seen them. It's not fair to throw these young guys into what could end up being a relegation dogfight, which might be a bit negative because, yeah, we're second bottom just now. I joked in our chat, but we're only three points off the playoff spots, but technically we are. We just need to string a couple of wins together. We move back up the table. We have got a lot of our toughest games on paper out of the way already for this first third. So we just have to start stringing some decent performances together. I just, I don't know what the answer is though, but Tony and Darren need to have a big look at themselves. And I said in last week's show that I thought competition for places was going to be good and the guys that have the jersey have to show that they need it and the guys that come on have to show that they want to earn it. Now, when you don't make a sub until you're two down and you, you make a triple substitution, Doug, that's not going to change the game. So it's not giving these young guys much of a chance to show what they've got to change the team. I mean, in fairness to the management, I think it was 1-0 when the three subs were just about to come on. Yeah, it was. And that's when they scored their final goal. But again, when you're playing a team that's injury ravaged and you're struggling, make some subs. Like, we've got five and, and it took until 72 and nothing really had changed apart from that little spell um, I kind of don't buy into the young players the young players are deemed by the management to be good enough to be in the squad then when your team's not doing well it's up to them to, and it's not like they're 16 year old kids it's up to them to go right well let's you know let's take the, the bulls by the horns or whatever you would say and, and let's show that we're good enough I mean is, is McConville a holding is he not a defensive he's gone player? He's away to Sheppy. When did that happen? Today. Yeah, we, we sent two players there. I couldn't remember who it was. So McConville was one of them. Jordan Davidson, I think, is the other. Ah, ah right. Okay, okay. So, so all the sort of excitement from the fans at the start of the season about us bringing in these two young guys who are going to battle for the squad hasn't really materialised. One's gone and one's had one game and then deemed not good enough. Um, Newton's still kicking about but I'm just going to go back to our point where maybe playing three at the back and I'll I'll maybe ask your opinion on this so I wrote down there if we were going to play three at the back how our formation might look and let's just see whether you guys think it's a good idea and then we'll obviously put it out to, to our listeners to see if you agree with me or not so We've got. I've already. I don't know if you've seen it on the on the Methyl WhatsApp page, but you know the heart versus long debate is something we could probably argue with all day. I think for much of a muchness, I don't think that there's much between them, um, and I'd be happy with either of them starting. I don't think Hart's done much wrong. I hadn't th- didn't think Brett had done much wrong until he was dropped either. But you know, either of them in goals, a centre back, well, a three at the back where Higgins, Dunlop, and Watson, I think would be good. Um, then Murdoch, Agnew and Watt. So Murdoch able to bomb up and down that wing um, and then Watt another one. You could obviously have Dunsmore instead of Murdoch, but it depends on how you want to play. Um, so that's Hart along, Higgins, Dunlop and Watson, Murdoch, Agnew and Watson. Hopefully, if we keep him fit, Danny Swanson in behind the front two with Wallace and Hamilton up top. Is that just not nine? Yeah. Outfield, or did I miss someone? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ross oh, Davidson. I miss, I miss Ross Davidson as well, yeah. So I, I have Ross Davidson sitting in front of the, the back three. I don't mind that, actually. We need somebody to sit in front of the defence, I, I feel. That's been so evident in, in the games. 
it's like the whole defensive midfielder role was a position I never really fully appreciated till I moved over here because so many of the MLS teams have this box-to-box guy that just sits in front of the defence and then another defensive midfielder that just sits there. And I I quite like that kind of two-man defensive midfield thing. I know it doesn't allow for a lot of attacking qualities, but if you've got a strong attack, they should be creative enough to do that. But... For us, like having one person sitting there that can even drop back to make it a flat back four if you need it, I think might solve a lot of the issues. It's an old cliche, but the best way to defend is to attack. So you've got to take the pressure off the defence and have the ball at the other end of the pitch. Well, maybe one of the things you could do then would be to play Craig Watson instead of um, Ross Davidson in front of the back four because I think Watson's played there before drop Murdoch into the back three and have Dunsmore instead of him and then you've got that if we needed to go to a flat back four then we could it would be an interchangeable formation but we, we need to do something something has to change because we're playing the exact same 11 almost that we played last season with little to, to no change teams have figured us out figured, figured out our plan A and we've said it before, I'm not convinced what plan B is, but if we are reverting to that in game, I'm not noticing it or it's not working. Uh, yeah, I mean, whatever whatever we do, it needs to be something different and it needs to be next week. Um, but the gaps in that formation we're playing, the gaps between the midfield front line and the midfield and defence seems like there is no midfield. It's massive. I mean, today I wrote down that we were getting counterattacked not from corners. We were getting counterattacked when we just lost the ball anywhere in the pitch. It was like they were just suddenly flooding forward. And it's like, who's who's police now? Who's who's there on the pitch as a character, as a leader to go, boys, let's get this sorted and let's, you know, track it back or whatever. But for me, I don't mind the 4 because you could have, if you wanted to, to play it solid, you could have Davidson and Slattery in that holding midfielder who's going to get messed in there, get stuck in in the right way and, and start play from there. Maybe you, maybe you rest Agnew and you get Swanson in the hole and you get Wallace up top of his, on his own to, to stop us just punting the ball long. Jack Hamilton has been superb in our player of the season so far, but it does automatically make the defence go, oh, there's an out ball, ping, 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 long, long, long. And it never, it never you know, you just stop playing football. Um, whatever we do... You have to change it. I mean, you can't... You, I'm starting to point serious questions at the management if we don't sort this left-back thing out. If we come back next week and we're still saying, oh, we've got murdered down the left-back, murdered down the left-back, then what the hell are they doing on the training ground? Because it's it's nothing. Yeah, yeah. look, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not one for screaming for managers' heads or anything like that, and I still think that we're a good bit away from that. But I think that you're absolutely right. You know, questions have to be asked. And we as fans noticing this and teams that are playing against us are clearly noticing it, then it needs to be addressed. And I don't want to point the finger at Pat because Pat, when he played in midfield, is a decent player and they'll give you 100%. You know, maybe putting him in front of the defence would be the sort of position for him. You know, I, I don't disagree with that at all. But we need to fix it. What we do, I don't know. We don't know if there's any budget left. I've, I've literally no idea, obviously... COVID's affecting everybody's finances. Can we get somebody on loan or are we too late for the loan window? I, I, I don't know, but um, 
I'm starting to get worried. Another thing that keeps running through my head is, is say at Livingston get an injury up top and they recall Hamilton, we're buggered. Because, you know, Wallace isn't a, a goal again player. He's not. He's a great player. And we sorely missed him today as the link between our midfield um, and our, our, our attack. But, you know, he's not going to score every game. I don't think Thomas Collins has, has looked at the player that we thought he we hoped he might be when he came in. Um, so I'm, I'm concerned about where the goals would come from if Hamilton left because Agnew's not chipping in with his goals that he used to, to chip in with and neither is Dunsey or um, you know Liam Watt or any of these players that you would normally see adding a goal for us last season apart from Hamilton, Wallace and uh, Kev's goal it's slim pickings But I think that's fine Lee Look, I don't think we need to worry about the, the attack side of it in a lot of ways you know, we have to shore up the defence. It's the bottom line where we will not win football games like this with no chance. You know, well, we're not we'll scoring goals either, Doug. Well, I so mean, if, if you yeah, score more goals than the opposition, then you win the game. And, I, I, and if, don't get me wrong, if we're terrible at back, you know, that's fine. But if we score goals, then we're always in a chance at a game. At Cove, we, we never scored. You know, we're, we're being poor. You know, didn't score against Inverness. So the, the goals aren't really coming either unless, you know, we're, we're playing against a team that's maybe more on a level playing field. So we maybe have to look at that. that, that this, this, maybe the teams around us are just better. But equally, Lee, I totally get yeah. your point, Mac, but we're, we're not creating enough up top either. Lee, we scored, we scored two at home against Montrose. We scored two at home against Dumbarton. We scored two at home against Hearts. We did score against Cove. Uh, we're scoring goals. But we can't we can't be having to score three or four to win a game of football with no chance. Yeah, it's just. I, I mean, I do agree with you. Like, you know, we need we need the mix on both sides of it. But but with no chance if we're conceding goals like we're doing, with absolutely no chance. Yeah, you have to you have to build from a solid defence out and then just take it from there and then try and see what you can get done in games. If it's nil nil, you've got at least a chance of taking a point. And I'm just looking at the fixtures for the rest of the year. So we've got five fixtures left. Three of them's at home. These are massive games. And we're going to know pretty soon what this team is, whether we're a team that's going to be challenging for the top four, whether we're going to be mid-table, or whether it is a relegation dogfight. Because we've got Clyde next week at Bayview, then Airdrie, then away to Peterhead, home to Forfar, and away to Dumbarton. That's their last five games of the year. And all five of those, on paper, is very winnable. And a lot of them are now the teams that's round about us because everything's so tight. It's a, it's going to be a tight division. I thought we always knew that. But these five games are massive because if we can get wins in these games, we're going to give ourselves a little bit of a, a breathing space. If we don't take stuff from these games, we're in serious shit. We need 10 points minimum from that. Absolute minimum. That's fair. Uh, yeah, we do. Um, but unless we change it, we won't. There's there's no way that team's picking up 10 points in the next five games. Like like that, in the same formation, like you say, Lee, it's the regurgitated team uh, starting 11. It's, it's so obvious. It's nothing. We have no squad depth. We have zero squad depth. And in a time where we thought at the start of the season we did, it, it's very obvious we really don't, which is a big worry. I mean, Clyde next week, they're two points ahead of us right now. 
They beat Montrose today. So if Clyde come away with a win next week, right away, we're five points adrift of them. And that's the team immediately above us in the standings. And then you're starting to get a little bit kind of concerned. I know it's super early in the season and it is so tight, but momentum's going to be a key thing in a season like this. And if you start, if your head start to go down, there was a moment in the second half that we gave away a corner and it might have been the one then that Dunsmore broke from as well. But we put the ball out for a corner. And if you look at the body language, there was four East Five guys, their heads just went down. As if they're like, oh, they just couldn't be bothered. It's like, oh, there's a corner. And it was so telling that just there's something, there's something missing. There's some spark missing from that squad right now. I don't know what it is. Do you think that... that and- don't get me wrong, I think that we do have some leaders on the pitch, but I think at times we really lack somebody that could really pick the game up by the scuff of the neck and go, no, we're not going to let this sort of performance happen. And I'm looking around that pitch today and I'm, I'm really struggling to see the leadership, which is something that, you know, when you've got guys like Chris Higgins, you've got guys like Kevin Smith, you know, there's, there's experience in that team that we should really be hearing them you know, screaming at, mm-hmm. at the boys to buck up their ideas. I didn't hear a peep. Yeah. Oh, and you would hear it on these because there's no fans there. But even like, even if you had the sound down, you don't see a guy going, come on, come on, and doing all that that you would expect or like trying to lift them. So I, I think that's a, that's a very fair point. Look at Brian Graham today for, for Partick. He was never off the referee's back, shouting at the defence, shouting at the midfield, shouting at everyone. And, and, you know, I've said that in the past, Jose Mourinho in the, the all or nothing thing said to the Tottenham players, to win games, you need to be, which is, see you next Tuesdays. And that's what we need to be without picking up cards, right? Because there's a, there's a way to be, a, you know, more mentally aggressive than physically aggressive and picking up more stupid bookings that we don't need. But we need to maybe start firing our boys up a wee bit more and, you know, go out and, and play for us. You know, like the, the fans are, are, are still there. You know, we are still supporting our team. You know, £240 raised by fans last week um, for an away game to go straight into the club's coffers. The £15,000 raised by fans during the off-season. You know, we're, we're doing our bit. The season ticket holders telling the club to keep the money. The season ticket holders still paying our, our season ticket money up front when we didn't know what was going on. We're doing our bit. And we need these guys in the pitch to start doing theirs and looking like they want to play for us. I mean, who's, who's going to pay for streams if they put in performances like that? Cause I, I mean, how, how much was it for Thistle today? Was it £10? 10 quid. And by I mean, the way, while we're on that, £10 was excellent value for money from the quality of stream, you know, the, the content, the replays, you know, even the, the beforehand, there was like a, a sort of like a mini podcast before that, a good interview with Brian Graham and at half time. You know, major plaudits need to go to Falkirk, and they've really set the standard. I feel for how the the, the, the TV should be before and after and halftime too. Yeah, it was very good. Uh, we'll, we'll also give plaudits to Partick and not Falkirk. But, uh, I'm having a nightmare. <laughs> it's the drugs. It's because you're angry. And I, yeah, he's angry. Um, yeah, no, I think everything's Lee said there's spot on. It's you know we're going to try and do our bit as fans and, you know, put the hands in the pocket. We're going to pay for things. We're going to do whatever we can do. But 
it gets harder and harder and harder every week when you're if you're watching that to think even a tenner, you know, it seems just a lot of money. Yeah. Because that's I mean that I could have spent a tenner in a lot better ways than that, I tell you that. Well, you've got, you've still got a little bit of the the feel good factor of football's back after such a a long break. Now, if lockdowns continue, you've got Christmas that folks gonna be spending money after the new year. Folk are gonna be maybe of a different mindset. So it's not just these five. Any team that is struggling is going to be a tough sell for their fans to to put their hands in their pocket every week. It's just. It's reality, it's, it's what it is. And you can have people like us or Liam or directors come out and say, look, if you don't support the team, you might not have a team. But ultimately, there's going to be folk that are like, well, either I can't afford to do that or I've got better things to do with my time. I can just watch highlights later. And I'd, it's like, if I'd paid money to watch that performance today, I'd be questioning whether I wanted to pay money next week to, to watch another stream. Well, I did pay money to watch it today. <laughs> um, and look at, you know, next week we've, we've got a home game and I've got my season ticket, so of course I'll watch. And yeah, because no you don't have to pay next play. week. That, that's the thing. But like, if you were a guy that doesn't have a season ticket, yeah. would you then yeah. pay for that next week? That and that's the that's the issue of whether the fans are there or not. You know, you, you if we're not playing well, then you're not going to attract a casual fan. That's, you know... The facts of life. Um, I'll apologise because there's been a few episodes, um, a few mistakes I've made on this um, show already. I am still taking a lot of painkillers, so I might still get confused a bit of time. I, but, I was um, going to say, did, did the drugs from... help today? Did like would you no. recommend that drug cocktail for watching East Fife? No, I think the only thing that would have made it better is the bottle of Kraken that I've got in my, my fridge that I've, I've, I've looked at about three times since we've started recording. Can I just clarify, um, so did, you, did you say Kraken or crack? I think one of those would really have made a difference, the other one would have made a slight difference, and I'll let you decide which one. Uh, can, can I ask a wee question? When we're, when we're talking about you know who's going to pay to watch games, etc., what is our hardcore like, how many do you reckon is our hardcore? I reckon in our league, I think we'll be one of the lower supported in terms of absolute hardcore fans in the league. I think you've got to I look at the season ticket base of 300, and I'd say you're maybe talking 100. 350 because you've But that's bit... this year. What was it last year? Oh, hmm. I don't know. I mean, what, what was our average? You're going to get. There's going to be sympathy purchases of season ticket season tickets this year for sure. There's yeah. no doubt about that. I, I remember someone telling me years ago about you know the clubs going out of business and and you know how devastating it would be. And obviously for us it would be absolutely devastating. But how many people would it be absolutely devastating for? Yeah, like genuinely, it's it's not it isn't that much. And you know in terms of a catchment area, we've never been that well supported. Um, so it's tough for us to to make the money. You know, and performances like that are not going to help those fans that are sort of, you know, not sure whether they'll get the game or not to actually get another game. Because why would you? Mm. There's better, you know, there's better things to do even when you can't go to your house. I mean, late, later on in the show, Lee and me, we've recorded a bit where we're talking about some TV documentaries and we've got this Hearts documentary. And it was after we recorded yesterday, Lee, that I was... At, kind of remembered in the early 90s we were really shit 
under Gavin Murray. And there was two weeks where East Fife didn't have a game. Although there was one week where they were away somewhere like Strandra and I didn't go. And then the next week we had a bye because it was the cup. And I went to watch Hearts both those Saturdays because it was the a team that was close at hand. And I thought, I've never been to Tyne Castle. Went the first week, enjoyed a, a game against Aberdeen. Went back the next week for a cup game. They won both those games. I could have made a decision at that point. You know what? I, I think this is more for me. I'm going to watch Hearts. But by that point, East Fife was just so ingrained in me that I wouldn't have made that, that decision. But as Doug says, I don't know how many people nowadays, young guys that's maybe coming through, would feel like that. Yeah, but, but look, I, I think that we're, we're maybe going off the boil in terms of the what the fan zone bit's talking about in terms of the actual game today. I, think I don't want to talk about the game. I know. I don't either. Um, I really don't. But look, we, we've had this discussion before about how we get fans in and keep them interested. First of all, we've got to get it right on the park. And right mm-hmm. now we're not. Yeah. Plain and simple. I think, yeah. uh, I think to pull it, back, pull it back to the game today, um, I don't think there's anything wrong in being a dirty team. I wouldn't mind us if we're a dirty team. Yeah. But you've got to be... You've got to do it in the right way. Do you know what I mean? You've got like today being dirty just means that you're you're frustrated and you're annoyed and you're you're lunging at the tackles because it's not going right. That that's not a clever dirty team. Do you know what I mean? That's just a lost the rag. There there was a I can't remember who picked the booking up in the second half. It might have been Davidson, it might have been Higgy. It was after Doherty dived in the box and then did a tackle and he didn't get booked for it. And then one of our guys went right through him, which I'd like to see again, because it looked to me like whoever our guy was did a forearm smash to Doherty's face, which if there was VAR, I think that might have been a red card, and I think he was lucky just to get a yellow for it. But that was just lack of discipline and frustration. I think it was Stuart Murdoch. He got a a yellow card for right after that. Um, and, and he doesn't strike me as a particularly dirty player so I think that you know things just went a little bit rag for a little bit and look we, we don't know what Tony McMinn was, was sent off for but you know he is a, he's a passionate guy and, you know, and speaking to him in the past he, you know he, he'll say himself that he does take it really really personally when we lose and you know he's, he's probably said something that I'm sure he'll regret but look that's the passion that the players in the park need to be showing in, in that fight and that desire and we're not seeing it yeah right Let, let's pull this together just to round it up with the last couple of things so we always do our 3 two, one I'll be honest I, I'm struggling apart from Hart at three points I don't know that I can give a two and a one I don't know about you guys I'm going to just to, to scrape the barrel completely um, I'm going to give three points to, to Hart. I, I think that apart from his positioning for the second goal, he didn't really do much wrong. Two points I'm going to give to Murdoch, who again I thought was steady. He, he did a, a pretty decent job on the whole. And one point, if I, if I have to, um, would probably be Ross Dunlop, probably just because he was less crap than everybody else. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, um, yeah, I'd probably go three points for... Mason were given three points to Jordan Hart for one good save. Because he didn't actually have that many saves to make, though. No. Genuinely. No. I mean, they, they battered us, but they kind of missed target a lot. So he's three points for me. Two points. Oh, it's hard to give to any defence, but I'll say Murdoch. I just, he's just pretty good, I think. Uh, I'm going to give one point to Danny Swanson's gloves. Yeah. 
yeah, I, I, I still would struggle with a two and a one. But yeah, Murdoch didn't do too much wrong, so I'd maybe like stick him in there. And I don't know, one of the subs give them a one. McLaughlin w- wasn't yeah. worse than Slattery. What I want to hear from from the listeners this week is what's your suggestion for for fixing the, the left hand side? I, I still think I would maybe like to try Adam Dunsmore in there. Um, he's probably the, the the only one that I could think in terms of pace could maybe solve that issue if he doesn't go and get any more daft bookings or red cards. A, a lot of chatter about Craig Watson, but it depends on how two footed he is. If he is heavily reliant on his on his right foot, he might find it difficult. But whoever it is. It can't be worse. It's, it's got to be worth a try. I think for me, for me, it's Murdoch left back. Uh, just because he reads the game as a defender, which is first and foremost what we need to happen. Um, and then you could have done some work right back, no problem. Um, but even so, Watson. Yeah, it's, it's, it just feels today's not a good example in a lot of ways of why we need to change Slattery as a whole. It's just the whole left side as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um because he was he was woefully exposed today. Woefully. Yeah, I mean, yeah it's le- left you know. midfield as well. Someone has to be trying oh, back. Don't get Massive. me wrong. Card- Cardinal's a, a good player and he's definitely playing a level below it. What he's, he's, his ability shows, you know, I think he is a championship player. And, you know, Ryan Williamson is a championship player. But equally, you know, Ryan Wilson's an average championship player and we made him look like Cafu today. Mm. You know, it was at, at times I was... Every time they got the ball, it was just like overlap, 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 skinned, done for pace. And, you know, how many times have we said that five, six games into this season already? And we're like, I, I think if I had to, to surmise my feelings today, I'm going to use one word, scunnered. <laughs> I, I just think, I think, the, I mean, the, the, the 2v1 is just a communication thing. So it's someone saying, right, I'm taking him. If he passes the ball and I've still got that guy, you know, and, and it is, it's so easy for us to say who know nothing about football, but it just seems so obvious at times that you're just like, well, just do, if you do the basics right and someone does you with a really good bit of skill or a sensational pass in behind you, that's fine because that will happen at this level. But it's basic, basic stuff. I mean, if I was, if, if Lee Gillis, a great left back in his day, may I add, um, you know, if it's first minute and you're playing against a silky guy, you're not putting a bit of a quite an aggressive tackle. Not you're very unlikely to get booked after a minute or so. Just put in a tackle and go right. Whatever happens today, you're not going to have it easy against me. But Joe Joe Carlo must be coming off that pitch just laughing. That'll be the easiest game of his career. Yeah, I, it's like the win for Thistle as well is a massive confidence boost for them because they're like, okay, if we can come away with a win like this when we're down to bare bones. We've got a chance of getting back up. I, I was on the Park Thistle podcast, draw, lose or draw, during the week, and they, they posed a question to me of where do East Fife's ambitions lie for this season, realistically? And he said, is it to try and just avoid relegation or do you think it's going to be mid-table? And never for a minute did they think, oh, they'll be challenging for the top four. So that's like other folks' perception of us. They think we're maybe mid-table, just want to consolidate. I know at the start of the season, we were like, oh, oh yeah, we can definitely make top four, etc., etc. And it's still very early days. But as of right now, where do you see 
East Fife being as a team, are we looking at being mid-table? Or do you do you worry that we are going to be in a bit of a relegation battle now? Seventh at best. I think we'll be seventh or eighth. And, and that's providing we don't get... Um, you know, someday to, 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 to fix our left-hand side and, and maybe a little bit more creativity in the middle of the park, I don't know. But I think that, honestly, seventh or eighth is probably, I would take it. I would, if somebody offered me that now, I would take it. Um, yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, it, it's the one thing about doing uh, the podcast straight after a game is that yes. emotions are quite high and you're quite, like, I'm... I'm pissed off. I mean, you know, this has just been another bad Saturday afternoon for being an East Fife fan. Um, Outlook, I think we've got, I think we've got the right management team. That there's little bits here and there that need sorted out. But I'm kind of with Lee. If you offered me seventh or eighth, you'd have to take it because we're in as it stands. We're we are in trouble. Not not league positionally, just in the way we're playing. And when you talk about games against Clyde and against Forfar, and I mean. That if you're playing well, you look at them licking your lips, going right. Let's get a lot of points. When you're playing like we're playing now, I mean that it's it's you know Clyde have beat a good Montrose team today. Good Willie scored a hat trick, so you know you've suddenly got this very very good striker on form against a pretty what has been a poor defence. These games that you go as very winnable are suddenly it's a total flip of the coin. And if you offered me a nil nil, I'd be delighted with a nil nil next week. Because it means that we've not bloody lost stupid goals. Yeah, I, I would literally. I, I, I'm really, if you offered me seventh or eighth right now, I would definitely take it. Move on. Yeah, I think I would as well. A season like this, you just take it. You consolidate. There's, let's be honest. There's no point us going up because we're going to get hammered every week if we go up because we don't have the money to to have a sustainable team. So I'd rather we didn't go up and and have that. When we went up at Archibald and we finished the season with, I think, a single-digit points thing. And we were getting hammered by five, six, seven goals some games. That wasn't fun. So, yeah, seventh or eighth, take that now, consolidate, build for next year. Uh, I kind of disagree with you. I'd, I'd always say there's a point going up. Um, if we do, ha- if we did happen to go up, it's because we've obviously been playing very well. And you look at an aloe and our growth, you know, I, I don't think we'd go up. If we played like we did today, we'd lose every week. But... If you've got promoted, you're playing well, and I think you would always take that. Hands down, you would take that. But yeah, carry on. You just don't want to be another Brecon. You know, as mm-hmm. although you've got the Alawas and the Abro for this world, you've got the Brecons and the Cowden Beaths um, who have, have been up there recently and have struggled to come back from that. So th- yes. there's definitely two sides to, to that coin. Um, there's definitely two sides to that coin. I've never seen us play in the first division, so I would like to see it happening. Sorry, the championship. So I would like to see that happen. But not if we're going to go up and get a royal pump in every week. Um, I'm going to echo something that you said there. I, I I do want to quell some of the nonsense that's been said on social media and stuff already today. You know, I do have complete faith in, in Dan and Tony to turn this around. You know, yeah, I saw some of the comments calling for Young's head already, and it's like, what? Yeah, it's just ludicrous. You know, it, it, that that's raw emotion. But you know, they'll, they'll wake up tomorrow morning and they'll regret that. Um, you know, there'll probably be some things that I've said today out of raw emotion mixed with uh, um, painkillers that I'm on that I probably will, should have said that. But anyway, you know, I think that, 
you know, Darren and Tony, I still have an abundance in faith in them. I do. I, I still think that they're the right management team. I still think that they've, they've built a good team. Um, but they need to maybe swallow their pride, admit what we're doing is not working, and try something else. Let's just finish off then. Looking at Clyde next week, big game, get some predictions from you. It, it's a big game now and we're at home, and I think we've got the advantage of the fact that the fans aren't there because they're not going to get on the players' backs. Because you know in a normal season, if Bayview had six to 800 people in there, the form that we're playing in, maybe go a goal down to Clyde, you know what it would have been like. So we've got that as an advantage. I'll start. I'm a little bit more optimistic than I've maybe sounded for the rest of this show. I'm going to go with 1-1. Uh, okay, uh- uh, yeah, it's, uh, it fills me with sadness that you're optimistic to go with one-one. Yeah, um, I, I, oh, I can't be optimistic. Um, I want to be. I will. I'll go two-one defeat. I think I'm being optimistic in that for one-one. As optimistic as that is, in that I'm hoping that they get a reaction after today. Because we need to get a reaction after today. And if we don't get a reaction, that's a big, big concern then. I really don't want to do this. Because I, I think I've predicted us to, to win um, every time that I've, I've, I've done it this season. And I, I can't. Um, <laughs> I, I want to. I really, really want to. But I, I don't think I can. Um, I'm, I'm going to say I won no defeat. They've got to you. They finally wore you down. Senator Years of support. Uh, okay, let, let's finish on a high. Because we'll ignore the Slovakia and Israel games, which brought us back down again. How how did you guys feel? Because I had to do the show myself last week, so I didn't get any reaction from anyone else. Where were you watching the game? What were your emotions like during it, especially when Serbia equalised in the 90th minute? And just how how did you feel after it? Um, I well watched it in my house because we're not allowed out. Um, it was it was funny because we were when we were talking on the pod last week about you know what would you rather East Fife did this or 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 Scotland you know did that. I don't think watching a game on TV I've ever gone through what I went through on on Thursday night. Mm. I was um, like jumping up. I was watching it on Zoom with a couple of mates. You know. Uh, Jumping, jumping up and down, we scored. We were fantastic for the first half. And I actually didn't think of the whole, oh, it's going to end in tears. And I've never felt that flat in my life watching football. And I, I generally think that at any point when they scored that goal. Yeah. Because it was like, oh, my God, we, we might, we're going to blow this. And it was like, we played so well, so you didn't feel it was deserved. And, and you know, when we battled through the extra time and we got to penalties and it was just, I mean, for the last half, for pretty much the whole of extra time and the penalties, I was just pacing, walking up and down my living room. And when we scored that winning penalty, I, I mean, I was crying, Ryan Christie's interview, I was crying. It was, I mean, it was unbelievable. I've not felt like that even remotely since the Duker goal against Queen's Park for pure, pure elation and just, and then, sorry to bang on. And then, and then there was actually when you switched it a little bit, 
I got this melancholy feeling of real sadness at the very end when I'm like, God, this is one of the greatest moments for me as a football fan. And I didn't really, I wasn't able to share it with people. Like, imagine a pub in leaving or wherever, when, when that penalty went in, just the yeah. hugging strangers, the just bedlam, that amazing night you'd have had. And so there was a degree of sadness about, God, this bloody COVID has robbed us of a really tender, beautiful moment as a human being watching football. So, but I mean, amazing, uh, absolutely amazing. Yeah, I, I touched on it when we recorded the, the majority of the show last night. Um, I was a good few diazepams in by that point, so I was probably a, a lot more um, calm and collected than maybe I normally would be. Um, unlike with East Fife, I'm, I'm ever the pessimist when it comes to Scotland. So I, I, I sort of said that I was watching it um, up in Abbey Moore from my bed <laughs> on my iPad and I turned around and I said to the missus like they're going to score I, I don't know why but as soon as the the cross came in I was like go and it went in and I just went same old Scotland like I, like I actually tweeted I was like the day I die I'll get the national team to lower me into the ground so they could let me down one last time it's <laughs> <laughs> genuinely honestly I was just like we're going to do you know the, the glorious failure once more but you know when David Marshall saved that penalty and the, the goal went and you know the, the missus would have got pregnant when my, a 30 feet radius if, if she'd been in the room when that had went in because uh, I can't describe how excited I was I couldn't do the jumping up and down thing um, but I was honestly beyond delighted and it was just a bit of a sore one because you know normally I, 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 it's a Scotland game I watch it with my old man and obviously I can't do that now but not that I'd been able to be in an Abbey more anyway but you know it was it was like Doug yeah there, it was tinged a bit with, with sadness that I wasn't in the pub or whatever I actually had tickets for the original Israel game in March ah. um, so I was meant to be at that so that would have been awesome to have been there. Um, but I, I, I was on the ball the, the second that we won the game against uh, Serbia. I, I text my friend who's a manager of a hotel in Glasgow and I was like, one overnight stay for the Czech Republic, please. So that's already booked in. So hopefully I could blag a ticket. And if I can't blag a ticket, then it was going to be a great atmosphere in Glasgow anyway. When Serbia equalised, I was standing up at the time, just from nerves. I just dropped to my knees. It was just like... Oh. Just like I, I said in last week's show, the only other feeling I've had like that was when Dundee United scored in the 97th minute in the cup game in 1990. And it's like it was exactly the same. That might have been worse because I was there in person. But like when Marshall saved that penalty, I mentioned this on my show here. I don't think I mentioned it when we were talking about it. I yelled so loud, I actually hurt my arsehole. I did not know that was possible. <laughs> We've been talking about the, the, the feeling of the pit in your stomach. That the, the one for me that I could liken it to was when England scored this, the equaliser against oh, us. Yes. And after Griffiths had scored the two. And I still remember it so vividly because my daughter was maybe four or five weeks old. And when England went 1-0 up, I went upstairs and, and put her down for a nap. Then when Griffiths scored the first free kick, I shouted so loud I woke her up. So Rachel went and got upstairs and got her. Then we scored again. I shouted so loud that she started crying. And then Rachel took her back up the stairs, put her back down, 
<laughs> England equalised and I shouted that loud I woke her up again I was not in the good books that day so yeah definitely that's probably the one that I could see that, that came closest to it but yeah it doesn't matter we're through and let's hope that in June we've got two things to celebrate a, a resurgence of these five team that's that's got us safe and doing well and you know what we're, we're never going to qualify but even if we could we could not finish last and, and win a, a game or, and draw one I'd I mean, I think I think we because there's some third places go through. I think if you beat the Czech Republic, then there's a good chance you might sneak through as one of the thirds anyway. But I, I, as long as you don't get humped, I don't think it really matters. Maybe that's a terrible way to look at it, but I think just the fact we're there and you know the England game fills me with more dread than joy. I think, but I mean, what an occasion it will be! I remember the '96 game vividly, and you know, it, just such an amazing. And amazing sight to behold. And I think it's just great for the Tartan Army to be back at a major. So maybe it's disappointing to sit home in a lot of ways. But I still um, don't think yeah. Yeah. No. True. True. Anyway, much Go like the Pfizer vaccine. Let's just hope for that. Anyway, on that note, much like the link between East Fives defence and midfield, my connection is unstable. So I'm going to round this off just now by thanking you for joining us. Sorry, it's been a bit doom and gloom. Let us know your thoughts though. Tweet us at glorydaysofgold or send us an email glorydaysofgold at gmail.com. Anything you want to say, guys, just before we sign off? Um, I'll I'll just quickly say I've not read any of the online stuff since the game. Let's not be ridiculous and start talking about Colin to the head of the manager. We've got a proper good management duo. They're, you know, speak very well, know what they're doing. We're not doing well, but that's fine. We will do well. Let's get let's get behind them and and uh, we'll move on. Couldn't agree more, Doug. Nail on the head. Um, I think that, that there's there's no panic stations in the setting yet. That's the only danger of recording it after the game, as you've rightly said, is that probably emotions are still a bit high um, after what was a, a shocking performance. But I, I still believe that the management team that we've got are the right people to turn it around. And, you know, Monday Fife next week will be better. Let's hope so. We'll be back next week with another Fife Fan Zone. That was Fife Fan Zone there. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we do and thank you to all of our guests. Yes, another disappointing afternoon at the office for East Fife. That 2-0 defeat against Partick Thistle leaves them sitting now in ninth place in the standings in the Scottish League One table. Four points from their five matches. One win, one draw and three defeats now. Only five goals for and 10 against, so they're averaging one goal a game, but they've given up, unfortunately, two goals a game. Let's have a look, though, at how the rest of League One played out on Saturday afternoon. The big match of the weekend was the top-of-the-table clash between leaders Cove Rangers and second-placed Falkirk, and the gap is now one point at the top as Cove lost their first game of the season, 1-0 defeat to Falkirk. The Bairns now the only undefeated team in League One. And there wasn't really a a lot to choose between the sides. The only goal of the game came four minutes in at the second half. Callum Morrison doing the damage. 
firing home from an Anton Dowd's assist, giving Falkirk a 1-0 win over Cove, moving them up to 11 points in second place, one point behind Cove, who are currently on 12 points. Airdrie now sit in third place in the division after a 3-1 win over Forfar. Strange match this with all the goals coming in the opening 27 minutes. Airdrie went up in the 6th minute, then doubled their lead from a penalty in the 21st minute. Two minutes later, Forfar pulled one back, before Kyle Connell wrapped the scoring up and restored Airdrie's two-goal advantage in the 27th minute. No further goals, so Airdrie come away with that 3-1 victory. As I said, moving up to third in the table and leaving Forfar as the only team below East Fife in the standings. No wins for Forfar now from their five games, sitting on two points from their two draws that they got this year. A Ben Armour goal five minutes into the game at Balmour saw Peterhead come away with a 1-0 win over Dumbarton, jumping above East Fife in the standings as a result. And another team that moved above East Fife were next week's opponents, Clyde. And the Bully Wee were involved in a right barnstormer against Montrose. Twice they led through David Goodwillie. Twice they were pegged back from Montrose before Goodwillie showed the class that he has on the pitch, grabbing his hat-trick 11 minutes from time to give Clyde a big 3-2 win over Montrose, setting up a big game next week against East Fife, as we talked about in Fife fans on there. A win for the Bully Wee in that one would see them five points clear of East Fife in the table. You don't want that at this stage of the season or at any point of the season. So a big, big game coming up at Bayview next week. Hopefully East Fife can get the job done and can I get back to winning ways. But the table is so close just now. As I mentioned, you've got Cove and Falkirk out in front, 12, then 11 points. Airdrie are third on nine. But then you've got Partick moving up to fourth in seven points, as have Dumbarton, as have Montrose. Peterhead and Clyde on six, East Fife on four. So although right now we're sitting in ninth and we're second bottom on four points, we're only three points away from the, the fourth and final playoff position as well. So... Still a lot to play for, very early in the season, only five games in. Hopefully East Fife can turn their fortunes round soon and can start to string some games together. As I mentioned, very winnable games that are, are coming up to see out the year. Just got to hope that the guys rise to the occasion and get that done. But before we get back to some more football chat, we're going to bring you this week's Have You Heard section. And it's Lee's turn to pick the song this week and he's continuing this episode's Partick Thistle theme. In honour of our, the fact that we're playing uh, Partick Thistle, or we've played Partick Thistle, we're going to bring to you a Partick supporting band. We've spoke about them before in the show. They released the very, very popular T-H-I-S-T-L-E Partick song. It's a Glaswegian band, Heights. Now, I'm going to tie this in with my last choice, which um, was Dev Green. And Dev Green is managed by Gary Clark. When I was doing a bit of research on Heights today, so are they. So managed oh. by Gary Black. So there's a definitely a, a, a bit of a recurring theme going on here. The upcoming artists are, are going to be associated with, with Danny Wilson or Gary Clark in particular. And who knows, they're, they're maybe all Mary's praying for each other. I, I, I thought you would have gone with a Mary Hill's prayer. Oh, that would have been so much better. Oh, well, I'll let you take the kudos for that one this week. But look, enough of Michael and Nye's pun off. Here's this week's Have You Heard? It's Heights with SOS. 
There you go, that was Heights with SOS. As always, let us know your thoughts on Twitter at Glory Days of Gold or ping us an email at glorydaysofgold at gmail.com. So we asked out on Twitter this week what you're missing most. Obviously, COVID's ravaged the season so far. We're now into November without fans getting into games. With the increasing tier system in Scotland, with some areas going into lockdown as of Friday, you know, it's, it's looking less and less likely that fans are going to be getting into games soon. So we've thought about what is it you're missing about the game the most. And when Michael put the poll up, I was quite intrigued to see what the results of that would be. So, Michael, I'll let you take over and talk about what the results were. Yeah, it was interesting. Basically, what the question was, if anyone doesn't have Twitter and didn't see it, I asked what aspect of match day have you missed the most? And then asked for people to, to expand on that. So we got a lot of good replies. But the result of the poll, I gave four options. 
So, in last place of the four was the pre- and post-game socialising with 7%. Being around fellow fans was third at 20%. Just your general match day routine. Getting up, getting ready for the game, going to the game, everything that basically goes with it. 24%. And I was actually surprised because I, I didn't think this one... I thought it maybe would get the most, but I didn't think it would get as much of a decisive win as it did. But 50% of the votes, watching a, an actual game in person is what people are missing the most. I think folks just had enough of watching things on streams, watching things on TV. Yeah, everything else that goes with going to a game is great and some folk are missing different aspects of that. But just actually being at a live football match, Lee, I think is what folk are seem to be missing the most. Yeah, I think you and I are probably in a little bit more of a, a privileged position where we have actually been to games in the flesh. So yeah. my vote was actually around just being around my fans, like the fellow fans, you know, a bit of halftime banter, bumping into people, you know, when you're coming into the game. You know, like I'm good friends with Isla English and, and literally the only chance that I get to catch up with her now is it these five games. So I miss catching up with her. And it's just, you know, there's there's so many aspects of it, not just the game, that I do miss, but look, I, I could totally understand why people are missing it in the flesh. And look, let's just hope that before too long that we get back in. But until these numbers come down, particularly in Fife, you know, Fife's had another big week of COVID cases. You know, our community high school um, had over 400 cases. Um, oh, wow. Over 400 people. Um, having to quarantine this week because of an outbreak at the school. So things in Fife aren't exactly looking great either. So we just need to try and stay positive. Let's try and stay away from, from COVID as it's a, a controversial subject. But, you know, let's hope we can get back in the ground soon. Well, let's read some of the, the listeners and readers' comments on what it is that, that they're missing the, the most uh, about match days and just everything and not being at the football. Barry Scott, at Barry underscore Scott 38 on Twitter, said, It's something I genuinely think about every day. I'm missing Telstar, the general ridiculous chat, giving the standside linesman constructive feedback, shouting the odds are absolute nonsense, shouting for a penalty when you know yourself there wasn't anything to shout for, the drive to the ground, being creative with where exactly to park, noising up some annoying opposition player, and then if we win... The positive impact that that has on the rest of my day and weekend. When I get to go again, that'll be 30 years I've been going and I can't wait to get back. Yeah, ref, that wasn't kicked out there. That wasn't from there. That's, that's this, like, you can't go and do that in, in normal day life. Like, you, you can't be in the grocery store and go, hey, that shouldn't have gone in that bag. Well, you, you can. We could try and have people video themselves doing football stuff in everyday situations. He's not wanting that in there. He's not wanting that in there. Oh, no. She's not wanting that in there. No. Either that or the next time Rachel's putting the tea in, I'll just be like, get it in the mixer! (laughs) 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 No, there's loads of these things that you miss. Like, my my dad and I were were talking about it at the weekend when we were um, in Inverness game was on. I phoned them after it. And there was the amount of corners that were going in and the guys that used to sit in front of us every time we'd get a corner, they'd go, corner! And, and even just wee things like that, you're like, oh, I actually quite miss that. You know, know. just the, people celebrating even getting a corner, you know what I mean? So, no, I, 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 I do. Know. 
the things that used to annoy you, it's now you're looking back with, with fondness on. It's like it's like when you get older and you hated your school days and then you look back and you're like, oh, you know, they weren't so bad after all. Some of the, the other replies we've got, Ross Hutchison, he says, I only get to a few games a year and it's time spent with my old man. So I'm missing that opportunity for a day out. Every year we attend match day hospitality between Christmas and New Year. Christmas won't feel the same this year without that day out to look forward to. And that's definitely one of the things that, I mean, talking about match day routines, that is such a routine for football fans. The Boxing Day and the New Year games, and it's like we might moan, oh, we've got to go to Dumbarton on Boxing Day or, or whatever, like we usually end up with some kind of really shitty trip. But that's going to be so different for folk this year that's just not able to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think that I'm not as lucky as some of the other fans that have been managing to go home and away for a long time. We're working in retail, particularly at Christmas. It's not a, a time that I've managed to, to get to a lot of games, but I could get why it is such a massive part of of the sort of the festive period is, is getting to these games. I certainly don't miss having to go away up to Peterhead just after New Year and freezing my nads off in the stand. I, I definitely don't miss that. Or even just being at Bayview in general in the winter is, is not a pleasant experience. So I think that, yeah, well, unless we win, of course, but, you know, these things seem a wee bit few and far between these days. But Yeah, the, the Boxing Day stuff I've missed for a long time because our season over here is like March to November into the start of December so we never have any games over the Christmas New Year period so I, I really really miss that even our amateur league that I cover they shut down for the Christmas New Year break for two weeks so it's something I miss just getting out and just doing that some of the other responses we've got I'll rattle through a few of these Henry Ireland he says going to the games having to leave Glasgow for a home game at 10 a.m not being home till 10pm at night is the bomb. To travel by bus for East Fife games, he seems to miss that. I think that's insane. If, if anyone saw I was on a Park Thistle podcast during the week and David Forrest that spoke to me on that, he doesn't drive, so he wanted to get East Fife off his bucket list. So he went from Glasgow to Methyl by bus and he said it was a horrendous journey as I'm pretty sure we can all imagine. So I Definitely don't envy Henry having to do that. He seems to enjoy it, though. Um, but he says that he just misses it, being around fellow supporters on the terrace without sitting alone at home. Plus, miss hearing the Telstar tune when the players come out. But it's okay, because you can hear it every week on our podcast. I always get it in somewhere. Five Fan Zone, you've just heard it there. Logie Bear says, It's not even the football itself I miss. It's everything that comes with it. The bus, the banter, the pints, the pies, the atmosphere, the rest... Football is nothing without fans. Brian Simpson. Going to a game with the old man, sitting in the same seats, surrounded by the same people, shouting the same nonsense. Telstar, the halftime quiz, East Five goals, match day Saturdays. And when you go to the game, maybe not as much now because you're working, but I mean, you've always gone to the game with your old man before. I mean, that, that must be something you're missing, Lee. Yeah, definitely. Like, since my daughter's been born, I've not actually been to a game with my dad, so that's been like three and a half years because generally if um, my dad's off the Saturday, both my wife and I will be working the Saturday, so him and my mum will normally have early, so there's not been much opportunities for us to get together, but certainly, you know, he's one of our listeners every single week and he says to me that the podcast really sort of 
revamped his love for the the, the fife, and he's he's really really keen to get it back. So that's something I'm looking forward to. Hopefully, um, we've got a hospitality check to to cash in. So I'm I'm planning to take him to that and and get him a few beers and spend a day with my dad. Definitely, I, I do miss that. And I mean, you know, my dad took me to my my first East Fife game. I think I was you know six seven something like that, and. It's something that I look to replicate with my kids or, or children down the line. You know, that, that experience of going with your dad to the games, I, I think, is unbeatable. Last one I'll just read out from long-time listener, good friend of the show, John Scott Neal. He says, I was transferred to work each Saturday, but before that I spoke to an older gentleman called Henry. I do miss these conversations. It was difficult only getting to a few games each season and keeping in touch. And that's the thing, it's like there's so many folk, and you said this about Isla, that you only see them. They're like your football buddies. You only see them at the, the weekend and you only see them at the matches, And but they're, you still class them as good friends. And I think that's something that all of us are missing and hopefully we'll just get back to some kind of normality soon. Maybe if it's small to start with and then just... It's sounding more promising. I read something in, in the record on Friday uh, just analysing something that Nicola Sturgeon had said and the, the hope is maybe by spring... We can get these fans back. I, I miss away days a lot because away days over here, I've st- said this before, our closest away day from Vancouver is Seattle. That's two and a half, three hour drive. Then the next one's Portland, which is seven hours. But I mean, I miss driving around Scotland. I'm sure all of us had our own little places we like to stop off on the way back, get a cheeky little chippy from Stonehaven or somewhere up the, the Ayrshire coast or all these little things that we used to stop off at. Everyone likes some fish and chips. So let's find out Kenny Dooker's preferred choice of condiment. I'm on that and a bag of chips. Oh, and sauce with it. I'm on that and a bag of chips. Oh, and sauce with it. I, I know you're meant to be healthy, you're a doctor, everything like that, but obviously everyone likes a, a cheeky little chippy now and again. So if you're at the chippy, and you're just having a bag of chips. Do you have salt, salt and vinegar, or salt and sauce? Oh, I, at least salt and vinegar. And depending on my mood, I might have a wee bit of red sauce on it as well. But if I'm getting it, if I'm getting it for the family, nobody likes anything on it. So I've got to get it plain and I've got to do all the other stuff up when I get it home, when it's on my plate and nobody else's. Aye. My my wife hates vinegar, so like if we are getting a two piece fish supper or something, I can't put vinegar on it until I get home because she just hates vinegar. How much is the fish? How much is the fish? How much is the chips? Does the fish have chips? How much is the fish? How much is the chips? How much is the fish? Does the fish have chips? Kenny Duker there, he may be a doctor, but you can't get him from having some tasty fish and chips. That was our new section last week, and I'm going to bring you another new section now this week. Because with lockdowns coming in effect, we're all spending a lot more time at home. So we're here to help at Glory Days of Gold. We wanted to just fill fill your hole. Always a, a big thing that Lee and me have tried to do over the years. Mostly unsuccessfully. Sadly, yes, but hopefully now we can maybe fill it with a new section, TVOD. 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 
So, what is this new section? Well, what I thought we would do over the coming weeks is bring you some recommendations for things that you could maybe dig out at home. You can find them on Netflix, iPlayer maybe, YouTube, some illegal dodgy places that you might find your other stuff. Reddit's always a a good choice for stuff like that as well. Just looking at some football documentaries, films, TV programmes, talk about some of our favourites, talk about some of the ones that's on just now, and get you to send in your recommendations as well. So we're going to kick things off this week, I thought, by talking about some documentaries, behind-the-scenes, fly-on-the-wall documentaries about football clubs. And what put me in the mood of doing this is I've been watching the BBC series, this is our story, the -the behind-the-scenes story on Hearts, and I found it fascinating, Lee, because... They started doing this at the end of last year before we knew what was going to happen. And it's an absolutely amazing time to do a documentary on Scottish football and especially on Hearts, considering how things played out for them. Yeah, I've actually caught it myself and it's been a really, really entertaining watch. There's been a few things that I've actually enjoyed. And one of the things I didn't expect to but have is, is, is Anne Budge. You know, she, she comes across as quite frosty in the media mm-hmm. and, and, and doesn't really show much charisma, but I actually like the way that she breaks things down and analyses it. And, you know, our selection process for bringing Daniel Stendhal and I thought was excellent. You know, she didn't just go out and hire the biggest name. I mean, hearing names like Sven Jorn Eriksson, who was sort of kind of linked to that job, kind of blew my mind because you would think on paper, you know, Sven Jorn Eriksson or Daniel Stendhal is a no-brainer, you know. Yeah. I mean, he names as like Roy Keane. I know! It's like, you know, like, I remember reading that in the papers and thinking, what? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, Scottish football is definitely getting a reputation in, in bringing in sort of big-name managers. If you look at Steven Gerrard, Brendan Rodgers, you know, I think that there's that attraction to come up to test yourself up here now that there maybe wasn't before, but we're not at that part of the, the series yet, but, you know, I, I kind of feel like Daniel Stendhal got a harsh end of the stick because he didn't manage to bring in a lot of the players that he, he really wanted to bring in. You know, he was trying to impose a style of football on, never really got his chance to impose it and then got given the can. Yeah, it, it's been interesting watching him in it because I what he did at Barnsley, I, I thought was fantastic, taking a small provincial team like that and making them competitive against some big, big players. But... Yeah, I, I just don't think he got a fair rub of the, the stick here. And I think a lot of that, though, is how a lot of people within Scottish football, not just fans, but media, pundits, how they treat foreign managers. Because, obviously, English isn't his his first language. We've got a German sporting director here in Vancouver, and he can come across as a little bit dry, maybe not that approachable, not a lot of fun. And I think people then think, oh, yeah, he's boring, he's not very good. And they, I think because Stendhal struggled to to maybe get across what he actually wanted to say and having that accent, I think that went against him a little bit. Yeah, but um, look, we all know the German stereotype is that they're very dry and have no humour. But then on the flip side, you look at Jürgen Klopp. You know, Jürgen Klopp's the, probably the most charismatic manager in the league. True. Uh, yeah, I, I don't disagree with, with foreign managers being hounded out. I, I, I think you're, you know, nail on the head there. You only have to look at Bertie Boats. I mean, look what he did with the national team. Totally, totally unappreciated. 
Yeah, I just remember being too down to the Faroe Islands and listening to that on a radio as I was driving about and thinking, what the hell is happening here? Get rid of him. But it is kind of, we've talked about this before, when you're appointing managers, it's jobs for the boys. So it's like when a new guy comes in, especially a young foreign guy, it's like, oh, no, no, it should have been one of the the regulars. But another guy that I think not had a, a great rubber fit there was, um, I forget his second name office, but Austin, the guy that, yeah, the guy that temporarily took over. It's like, I don't think he was even considered at all for the job. And obviously when a new manager comes in, he's going to bring in his new assistants and stuff. But the way they, tr- they treated Christoph Berra as well seemed a little harsh. And of course he's back there now, but it's like a guy that's your loyal servant. And it's like, yeah, you're not in my plan. We're going to loan you out. Just getting all this behind the the scene stuff, I find it fascinating. I've watched a few of these over the years. I don't know. Have you watched any of the, the big ones that's on, I think it's on Prime. It might be Netflix, but I think it's on Prime, the ones like behind with Tottenham. And I know I've the Sunderland. The first one. I didn't watch the second one. Sunderland Till I Die was on Netflix, I think. I've watched a couple of that, and that was fascinating as well. I think it works best when it's a club that's in peril. And we're obviously going to get to some juicy stuff really soon because COVID's just start to to hit at the end of episode two there. And it's interesting seeing folk are kind of like joking about it. Oh, you have to make sure you wash your hands and doing all this stuff. And of course, we now know everything that then played out. And it it seems so far ago because I was back in February and it's like they were talking about Storm Dennis in the second one. And I was there just at the tail end of Storm Dennis it delayed me flying home because I got stuck in Edinburgh and my missed my connection in London. But yeah, it's it's fascinating. There's a few other good ones I've watched over the years. One that always sticks in my head was about Accrington Stanley. It was on ITV. Who are they? Exactly. And it was a it was a great behind the scenes thing. And it looking at that and the Hearts one, I'd like genuinely would love to see something done at East Fife or another lower league kind of Scottish club where the Accrington Stanley one, what they focused on is they they had a different couple of people every week that they talked to as well as the regular, the manager and stuff. So you'd focus on the pie person, the person that's selling the hospitality. So you, you got all the snippets into what the job entailed and stuff like that. We would have a great time doing that at Bayview. You could have a thing on Leona, Stephen Mel, Liam. I think it would be interesting. Maybe some podcasters get them on the show as well. Yeah, definitely. I, mean, I think that there's at least one charismatic podcast host, and but it's a shame he lives in Canada. I know. Uh, Damn, you got in before <laughs> me there. Yeah, I just wasn't giving you the opportunity for that. But, you know, I totally agree with you. When it comes to football documentaries, I absolutely love them. The, the Class in 82 one on, on Salford, yes. excellent as well. So, no, there's there's definitely scope for a little bit more of that in, in Scottish football, and I hope it is something that we see a little bit more soon. I think that, to be honest, one of the better ones in the Lowland League would maybe be Cove, considering yes. their rise up the ranks and the, and the people that they've got behind the scenes and Paul Hartley, you know, they would probably be a, a really interesting club. If it wasn't East Five, and it, I hope it's not Kelty, I would like it to be them. See, Kelty jumped in my head there as that's the, an obvious choice because they're pushing to get into the league. They've got Barry Ferguson, Media Darling. Edinburgh City would be a, another interesting one, as would like East Kilbride and stuff. I remember, like, I, I don't know if you've seen The Fort. 
that was on, I think, last year, all about Fort William. That was a one-off thing. It was just like a half-hour show. That that was a, a fascinating insight into that. But that's the stuff that I just... We don't get to see a lot of it. And you, you get to see a little bit more of it over here because we get to go to training and we're, you're a lot more involved. I was very surprised how little media turned up to Hart's press conferences because I'm just used to who turns up at stuff here and you're looking and there's like maybe three or four journalists and some cameramen and I was like, this is one of the biggest teams in Scotland. Yeah, it was, it was when it was one of the clips was like, and all Scotland's media are here and you looked and it was literally like one guy scratching his arse and a few other guys and a bit like, hmm. Here was the question I was going to put to you though. Hearts, are they still a big club? Because they, they were talking about in the show oh, we're too big to go down, that old thing. They've been a bit yo-yo because they did get relegated and they struggled to come up. I know they had Rangers to contend with. But when you're down the bottom for that often and in the other league, can you really describe yourself as a big club? Yes. I think due to their fan base and their record in cup competitions, you've got to give them that. My father-in-law slaughtered me for saying it. Um, but, you know, I think that, that Hearts are probably up there as one of the big teams. In no order, I think your top five in Scottish football has got to be Rangers and Celtic, naturally. Aberdeen, Hibs, Hearts should be generally the top five. Then closely followed probably by like the likes of Dundee United, Motherwell, St Johnston, and then a mishmash of anybody else mm. below. Interesting. I had read in the paper as well, Aberdeen announced on Friday £2.9 million deficit, which is very concerning for one of the top teams in Scotland. But that that's our thoughts on the Hearts documentary and some of our other favourites. Definitely check them out. If you haven't seen Class of 92 in particular, I really recommend checking that out. There's three or four series of that. I think there's four now. So check that out. But let us know your favourites as well and let our listeners know what they should be filling their holes with during this difficult time. TVOD I don't need a TV screen I just stick the aerial into my skin and let the signal run through my veins TVOD Definitely. And one of the things I did want to touch on was a little bit about the Lowland League, because we spoke so much about it in previous shows about how tight it was going to be. And I don't know if you've had a chance to check out the league. I haven't so actually, no. It brings me great pleasure to, to, to read the, the league out to you. So oh. at top, you've got East Kilbride, eight games, six wins, two draws, 20 points, followed by Easterlin on 19. Bonex on 18, BSC Glasgow on 18, Gala Feridine on 18, Bonnie Rig Rose on 17, Kelty Hearts in 7th on 15. They do have they have played two games less than everybody else. I will give them that. You've then got Stirling, who are 9th on 13, Berwick in 9th on 13 points. You've then got Cumbernauld, Spartans, Civil Service, Gretna, Edusport Academy, Dalbeaty Star, Edinburgh Uni and Vale Leaven. So mm. hopefully Barry Ferguson will get his jotters know before too long. And I'm going to tell you something that I've heard on the grapevine. Don't you know I heard it through the grapevine? 
How much longer would you be, man? Apparently, Nathan Austin is looking for a way out of Kelty. Oh. Um, now, I don't know how much truth is in this. I could 100% tell you it didn't come from, from Fash itself. Well, let's just start it, even if it's not true. Let's get this going. Yeah. Yeah, um, he is looking for a way out of Kelly and apparently isn't enjoying working with Barry Ferguson. I mean, who would? The guy's a swamp. <laughs> um, so I think that, yeah, that there's maybe the possibility that we could look at maybe bringing Fash back in at the end of the season. Who knows? He's, he says that at his earliest opportunity, we'd love to come back at the club. Yes. So let's let's cross our fingers. We could probably do him this season. Could you imagine him and Jack Hamilton up oh. front? Oh, yeah, with oh. we, Ryan Wallace and then Swanson. Yeah, that I that mean, would really, solve the problem we're talking two, about. Yeah, your front two would be Fash Hamilton, probably talking Ryan Wallace in behind. You then have Swanson on one flank. Who would you have another? Probably Adam Dunsmore, then Scott Agnew, Ross Davidson, and then the defence picks itself. Yeah. Really, doesn't it? So four, two, three, yeah. one. Oh no, I wouldn't yeah. be sure. It could be have two up front. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, I see a flaw, a flaw in your plan there because with what you've said, we'd have to have a three-five-two, three at the back for an East Five sounds terrifying for me. But play three at the back. I I I like three-five-two, or I did until I banged on about it so much here that the Whitecaps should try it, and they tried it, and they've tried it on three or four occasions, and every time they've tried it, it has been an unmitigated disaster. Yeah, that's why we're co- uh, more pundits than coaches, Michael. But um, no, I think that the only thing that we would need, would, I mean, Aaron Dunsmore could go up and down the park all day in the right. He would definitely be capable of that. Not so sure on how well Danny Swanson or Danny yeah. Denham would do going up and down the left. But, you know, that's a problem for Dan and, and Tony to figure out and just get your fingers out and do it. Lads. Yeah, Come on. that's why they have paid the big bucks. Exactly. Well, I'm not so sure about that. But <laughs> look, one of the things that I'd picked up this week, Michael, and I still can't understand where or how it's come from, is Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney buying Wrexham, which I think is potentially more random than Leicester winning the league. Yes. And it's also caused a lot of ire over here because two years ago, Ryan Reynolds, who is from Vancouver, had said how he bleeds for Vancouver Whitecaps and they're his team and they're his only team. So rather than invest in us and help us do well in MLS, he's basically bought into Wrexham, which looks like it's solely so that they can do a Netflix documentary because of it. Ah, is that, do you think that's going to be the reason? Well, they are do, they're definitely doing a documentary on the back of it. It is random, but Wrexham are. I mean, we talked about giants in Scottish football. Obviously, Wrexham had hard times since they fell out of the league, but they were one of the the top teams in Wales for a number of years. I mean, I remember Mickey Thomas scoring the FA Cup and knocking Arsenal out, and the racecourse ground is a beautiful old-fashioned football ground. It's like your typical football ground of days of old that you don't really get very much now. There's a lot of potential there. And with the right investment, they'll get back into the football league. They've been close. I follow a lot of English non-league football and they've been up and about there the last couple of seasons and they just needed something to push them over. Every year for the last couple of years, there seems to have been some team in the National League that's had tons of investment and have gone up because of it. Could be Wrexham now. Well, never mind that. I want to bring that into East Fife. 
and thinking, you know, there's clubs out there, we all know they've got famous fans. You know, Rovers have got that geezer for Coldplay that they're banging on about and they'll be getting their charity concert, you know, at some point in the next 20 years. You know, you've got The View, who I think Kyle's a fan of Celtic, Paul Lantini's a fan of Celtic, Rod Stewart's a fan of Celtic. Um, so, you know, there's, there's definitely some celebrity fans kicking about there, but it really reminded me that we don't really have one. Not that I can think of, unless we count Donald Walker. We we do have Henry McLeish, I guess, as possibly the most famous person because former player, first minister of Scotland, not my kind of politics, but he is famous. Daniel Sloss purports to be an East Fife fan, but I'm not sure that he is. He talks more about Chelsea. Uh, Daniel's a friend of a friend. And yeah, he, he tends to talk more about Chelsea, but you know, he's obviously had a couple of big Netflix specials and if you haven't watched them, watch them because they're absolutely hilarious. The guy is absolutely brilliant. My friend Scott and I went to see him at the start of the year before COVID kicked in and he, he was brilliant. I had us in tears of laughter. He's maybe somebody that we could try and get in the show to talk about his, his love of East Fife. Definitely see if, if, if he's as big as a fan as he claims to be. What but if he I'm, is? He can buy into us. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's about to need some money from Netflix, so let's see what's going on. But look, I, I put it out there. Who would we like to see by us? And Michael, I'm going to come to you. And if you had a, a list, I'll give you three, three names you could pick. Who would you like to buy us? Mm. We do have, I, I'd like it to be somebody that is genuinely interested in the team. So we, we do have a top 10 recording artist amongst our fan base, PG Charletta. Don't know how many singles he's sold yet. Uh, if he could maybe buy the club, probably rule him out. I'll, I'll try and pick a Scottish person. Then I'll try and pick some international billionaire that I can think of. Or a celebrity, a film, film guy that could make a documentary. So let's see, a Scottish person... With five connections. See, Ian Rankin's Wraith Rovers, he would have been a great person because he'd have had money and stuff, but yeah, a local lad. Dougray Scott. Glenrothes boy. He's a heavy. But then you're hoping that somebody might want to invest in a football team and think, well, I can't put in... Well, he could probably put into Hibs. I mean, that would be fine. There's not really, like, if you think of famous fifers, I think they're all kind of snapped up. That's the problem. So you might just want to have some Scottish guy that's a, an expat. The guy that played Desmond in Lost. He's a big football fan. He is Scottish. Henry Ian Kuzik. He was filming a show, The 100, in Vancouver. And like he went to watch the Whitecaps games. Lives in Hawaii. Follows AFTN. So I could maybe get in touch with him. I'm one of the, the few non-movie people that he follows because he likes to get our, our football news about the Whitecaps. So he's somebody I'm going to pick. Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh. To be fair, you know, the, the name's in there. We've got, got to give a kudos for that. It's dedication to the cause. Just want to see her dress up as Catwoman. Get, get on the pitch on a, a cold Tuesday night in January in her Catwoman uniform. We've got enough pussies in the park as it is. Oh. And a third person, Dave Gorman. He did that documentary, Are You Dave Gorman? Which, going back to our TVOD section, there's another good documentary kind of thing for you to watch. That's more comedy, though. We'll come to that in a later week. So that would be my three. Henry Ian Kuzik, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Dave Gorman. See, I'm going to really, really mix it up. 
I'm going to say either Elon Musk, if he wants to put some of his Tesla dollars in us, I would take that. Oh, he could Jeff launch Bezos. his rockets from the pitch. Yeah, Jeff Bezos. You know, we've got all that surrounding land that he can maybe build another Amazon warehouse on. <laughs> well, you're shooting big here. Look, you know, you've got to reach for the stars if you want to get to the moon, Michael, reach you know. the stars. Da, da, da. Yeah, there's been quite a lot of singing by us. Maybe S Club 7 could buy us. There's seven oh. of them. A, a decent consortium. Yeah. Girls allowed. Yes, girls are allowed at Football League. Times have changed. Yes, I'm, I'm aware of that, but I'm more thinking there's five of them. They're all attractive. They would draw the fans in. They could be the halftime entertainment. We would sell out every week. Mm. Oh, yeah. Somebody that could do some halftime shows. That's a good idea. What about Lewis Capaldi? He would be funny. He'd be a good he, documentary as well. He's bound to be some kind of Ouija team, surely. That, that's the problem, though. Like, if you if you do go for a guy that's currently in Scotland, especially any of the young talent, because it is trendy to have a football team to support. And if you want to be really hipster, you would go for a team like East Fife, like PG Charletta. He's got everything. He's got the looks. He's got the voice. He's got the songs. He's got the hipster football team. He's got his hot sister. <laughs> Antonio is the main thing that Phil's got going for him. He just doesn't talk about it enough. If he talked about his sister enough, he'd probably be top of the charts. Well, we, we need to get her on the show. Definitely. I'll see if I can make it happen. She lives out in Australia now, though, which is a bit of a shame. But, you know, you never know. We can ah. maybe make that happen. I had one response um, to my tweet about that, and it was Liam Cootie who said that he wanted to see um, John Claude Van Damme. He would probably be an interesting one. You imagine him if he lost the Rave Rovers, he'd probably go down and punch them all in the mouth or kick them in the face. You know, that would probably be interesting. That guy that threw a chair wouldn't have a chance. Ooh. So, Vince McMahon. Oh, no, he's yeah. he treats his employees he, terrible. Nah, Vince McMahon would be amazing. He's, he's talked about buying Newcastle a couple of times, so he's definitely interested in dabbling in the market. You look at the amount of you know, belts that Triple H has been giving away to West Ham and all these sort of things over the... the oh, the, that's the, true. So there is Tri- definitely the interest. Trips could be the new it. manager. Who could be? Trips, Triple H. Ah, right. oh, I thought yeah, you were he's... a wrestling fan. I thought you'd know all the lingo. Nah, he used to get called Hunter from where I was kicking about. But, you know, Trips may be a, a, a sort of Canadian thing. But, yeah, you know, he could come out. Could you imagine us coming out to, it's time to play the game? Oh. Yeah. And every time that Vince McMahon's going to do a halftime team talk, you know, he would come out, no chance. That's what you got. Yeah, that, I think that Vince McMahon has got to be the one for us. The guy's a billionaire. I would take The Undertaker. He's retiring, so it's like, get him to come out. Well, to be fair, did you see what he's charging for a cameo? These quick, like, two-minute videos? No, what's he charging? £900. Whoa. I I just charged 20 for mine. Yeah, I mean, that's honest, I would do mine for a five. <laughs> can you imagine that if the, the Undertaker's there, all of a sudden there's a big dong at Bayview... I mean, have you not always wanted a big dong at Bayview? I mean, it's so cold there, it's unheard of. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. I don't think there's been a big dong there since Greg Williams left. Mm. But anyway, big dongs aside for, for this week, if you've got anybody else that you think can rival my Vince McMahon shout, give us a tweet 
at Glory Days of Gold. It'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on this. And I think that this needs to gather a bit of momentum. We need to start getting tweets out there. We need a big celebrity fan that's going to back us every week. Then hopefully take us over and buy us. Or just somebody that we could get on the show and, and shoot, the, shoot the shit with. Just for a bit of a laugh. But we don't want someone to buy it just for a documentary and then they leave us in the lurch and we're in big financial trouble. Because that is always the worry when some American guy takes a, a team over, as an example. Yeah, but I think that if we were clever, if it, say, for example, all the proceeds went directly to, you know, fan ownership or something like that, we could find some way to be clever about it. We've, we've got some lawyery folks within our ranks at East Fife. I'm sure we could manage to, to wangle ourselves a good deal. Yeah, or 49% ownership. Something like that, like that. 51% of the fans. Excellent. Well, we've, we've sorted it. We just need to find the celebrity now. So that brings us on to another one of, well, I was going to say our favourite sections, but one other one of our sections with it's Michael. Which, <laughs> it's Michael's favourite in our wavelength section. I think you'll like it. We've spoken about these lads before and we've got to episode 25 without playing them. They are friends of the AFT and Soccer Show out here in Canada. We actually had an interview lined up with them that ended up falling through because of a bad connection on the way to a gig. But we are going to get them back on the show hopefully next year. It's Welsh rappers, Goldie Luke and Chain, who have a number of football songs. And I thought I'd kick off our GLC collection with I Wish I Could Be a Footballer. I wish I could play football every day Be in a cup final when it comes round in May But my coach is making me abstain Cause apparently you can't smoke splits when you train But if I was taller, like six foot two And I could kick a football like Gerard or Rue I could get a game for Rovers or City And crumble at the fence like a chocolate McVitie If I could play football I'd have my own wag A trophy wife with a Louis Vuitton handbag I can shoot a can at the band door There's gotta be another way that I can score I wish I could have been a footballer I probably know supermodel and I'm Caller. I wish I could have been a footballer, but I fucked it up, I fucked it up. Football player, I'll be Premier League, but I can't get a bed with my chronic fatigue. Dribbling's no problem, but I need a zimmer to play a game and score a last minute winner. Deltonian guy, get the haircut. Highlights, aftershave, but I still got a gut. I thought it'd be good having two left feet, and I'm lucky in the morning, but kept a clean sheet. Make me an offer, give me a transfer. Wanna do a Chris Badford like Gary Lineker. Get a posh bird, go in a low magazine, but I got a drink. Problem and I love nicotine. If I could get noticed by a scout, fit birds fast, cast is what I'm talking about. I watch the match in a pub on a Saturday, cause I'm not invited to the panel play for one day. I could run down the wing instead of Ryan Kicks, but I can't see straight from the booze in the six. I used to have skills and I can move like lightning, but now I spend my days drinking and fighting. It went season by season, it went year by year It went straight down the shitter when he got on the beer You know it wasn't for the money and it wasn't for the fame Before he was a piss and he was good at the game Back in my younger days I used to spot a shag Played footy at school, afterwards he smoked fags I had trolls for Killian but they all ragging I wasn't any good, I couldn't even make the seconds I'm quite good at chess, but where are the women? Get a time machine and go back to the beginning I played with myself and I still couldn't score So we fucked it up and smoked the drugs I wish I could have been a footballer I probably know a supermodel 
Coca-Cola Wish I could have been a footballer But I fucked it up, I fucked it up Could have made it big, I had all the skills But I never went to training, too busy taking pills It's as easy for me to do a back heel As a slam dunk is for my man Shaquille I could have been a hero, could have made the back page I've always had problems controlling my rage I could tackle like a dribble, take it up the middle But I wasn't prepared to be playing second fiddle Would've won the World Cup, would've won a World Cup FIFA But I had a little problem, they call it the reefer It got to a point where I gave up the game Now I watch them stand, but it just ain't the same I wish I could have been a footballer I probably know a supermodel and not the caller I wish I could have been a footballer But I fucked it up, I fucked it up I wish I could have been a footballer I probably know a supermodel and not the caller I wish I could have been a footballer But I fucked it up, I fucked it up I wish I could have been a footballer But I fucked it up, I fucked it up Goldie looking chain Wish I could be a footballer Sampling of course the match of the day theme that is going to be stuck in your head all week. Just like Yes Sir, I Can Boogie has been stuck in my head all week. I played it on the AFTN Soccer Show as well, and it's now stuck in some people's heads over here. Yeah. I'll be honest with you, as much as I really wanted to play that for you this week, but Michael told me I wasn't allowed because it wasn't a football song. But between that and the Davy Marshall song, it's just been relentless all week. Do you know like that monkey with the symbols that claps? And that's <laughs> honestly what it's been like going round and round in my head. The, the, the game that, that we won on, on on penalties against Serbia, I was taking diazepam, tramadol, <laughs> naproxen. I was so high, I actually woke up in the morning and I was like, did I dream that? <laughs> on my phone to make sure it actually happened. Swear to God, I woke up and I was like, I must have dreamt that. And yeah, that actually happened. I'm still in disbelief. Uh, I've been singing Yes Sir I Can Boogie all week. Caitlin's like demented by it. And she, I, I tweeted that or I messaged her that had reached the number three in the UK charts. And she's like, you guys are insane. <laughs> to be fair, you know, that we've touched a bit on WWE in the, the show this week, but do you not remember when Fandango came into wrestling um, and his song went to the top 20 as well? Like, the, the, the UK public, but particularly Scottish people, are absolutely mental. And it just goes to show when they get behind something, they, they really go for that. Well, you see all the novelty songs that have got to number one as well, and all the weird and wonderful Christmas stuff. Like we do our we do a Christmas show over here that it has ended up being three to four hours because we just take over the radio station the night that that we're on, and we've been mixing football chat with Christmas music and I've been playing all these songs that I thought folk in Canada would have heard of. This is going to stun you. People here do not know Slade and Merry Christmas, everybody. What? Yep. I thought that was like a, a cult classic everywhere. I thought that as well. So then that got me, I, then I played a Madness song in Wavelength and folk didn't know it was Blue Day by Suggs. And folk didn't know who Madness were. So that then started me doing Artist of the Month. So I've been picking people and just for the whole month, we, we play a song on the show by them. So I had Slade and I like to call the titles of my shows either a lyric from one of the songs that I've played or something like that every week. So I had Come On, Feel The Noise, C-U-M, and it got marked for explicit content because of the come. 
Oh dear. Speaking of Slade, my dad absolutely loves Slade. I grew up listening to them all the time. Um, and going in cars to away games, you know, I love black and white, remember black. And... So my, my dad used to change it to black and gold. So that anytime that that song comes on, it gets changed to black and gold in my head. So I have to make sure that I say the right version. But yes, yeah, Slade, who are you? Do you know they have a football song? No. I will play that in the next wavelength that I pick for you then. Oh, my dad will be delighted. In fact, maybe we should have a second wavelength and play it tonight. No, but we'll save that. You'll like it. There's a, I've got a football song by them and a football song by Genesis. Well, there's two things that I never thought I would hear on the show tonight. So I wonder if our listeners are going to be as astounded as, as I am. But speaking of our listeners, Michael, we were, we were talking a bit about that before the the start of the show that our, our listener numbers seem to, to be dropping a little bit and we don't know if it's you know the fact that there's not as many interviews we don't know if it's the fact that the team aren't performing well or you're just generally bored of our crap if there's some sections you're not enjoying please do give us the feedback it's vital to us and we really do want to be making sure that the stuff that we're putting out is things that you want to listen to be as constructive in your feedback as, as you possibly can we want to ensure that we are still keeping our sort of 150 to 200 downloads per week so if you do have any suggestions any comments anything that you want to hear more of if you want us to do more interviews then we will try and do more interviews if, if that's really what you guys want to hear then please do get in touch with us drop us an email preferably glorydaysofgold at gmail.com yeah definitely and I, I know a lot of you are wanting the interviews we do have some that we kind of have in the pipeline that, that are going to be coming up and if there's anyone that you'd like us to track down, I know Glenn Walker has tasked me with trying to find Tam McCafferty. He is over here somewhere in Canada and I've been struggling to find him. So if anyone's got any leads on Tam McCafferty, please get in touch. I think he's somewhere in Ontario. I thought he was involved in football over here, but I've not been able to find anything for him. Actually, talking about Glenn Walker, let's, let's get on to this week's mailbag because he answered my call last week to send in an all-time East Fife 11 made up of East Fife players that had been Scottish internationals. So we had one a couple of weeks ago, which was of internationals of all varieties. So I asked for one of just Scottish internationals, and if they had been capped whilst being East Fife players, even better. So what Glenn has come up with is a 2-3-5 a formation, so the old-fashioned 2-3-5, and he's got Gordon Marshall in goal, John Martis and Gary Naismith as the two, Bill Shankly, who did play for East Fife during the Second World War, if anyone doesn't know that, Pat Quinn, George Aitken, and then the attack off Charlie Fleming, Danny Liddell, Henry Morris, Alan Brown and Davy Duncan. A vast chunk of those who got their caps whilst being East Fife players in the 40s and 50s. His subspench as well is fantastic. Gordon Jury, Steve Archibald, Willie Johnston, Ernie McGar, Ian Gardner, Tommy Wright, Harry Allen and Sammy Cox. Can anyone come up with a, a better all-time Scottish international 11 than that? Send us in all your all-time 11s as well and all the other things as well, Lee, that we've been wanting people to, to send us in. They've kind of dried up a little bit. Yeah, to be honest, a lot of the, the mailbag stuff seems to be quieting down a wee bit. So do, do fill our sacks. It is something that we, we enjoy having a lot is, is, is read your guys' feedback, particularly on the social media. I've got something in the emails from Alan Rankin, which I'm going to keep for next week because we've gone over a bit on our time this week. But So I will bring that up to you next week. 
are you missing the who are you section? Is that something you'd like to see us bringing back? Um, there's the Bayview alphabet, you know, instead of Michael and I picking it every week, we would like to, to hear your guys' suggestions. So keep the, the replies coming in thick and fast. So that's pretty much us from this week, Michael, unless there's, there's anything you want to say or tell our listeners where they can find you online. No, just thanks everyone for listening and, and supporting us. We were talking about Christmas stuff there. We do ha- actually have our Glory Days of Gold Christmas special in the works. We've recorded some stuff with some people around that already and we'll have a few more of those coming up but you can give me a follow on twitter at aft in canada if you want to get in touch with me directly you can send me an email aft in canada at hotmail.com and check out both the sites aftn.co.uk and aftn.ca as usual find me on twitter lg1903 nice and exciting nice and easy for you to find i've not been tweeting too much recently because i've been out of my face on painkillers but You'll probably start to see me a little bit more active now that I'm feeling a little bit better. Um, apart from that, it's, it's been another good show. I've really enjoyed it. We might have had a defeat against Partick, but on to next week. Until then, stay safe, keep calm, follow the five, relax, don't do it. Another catchphrase here. And more importantly, more the five. <laughs> Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.